is Threads Radio. You're listening to Sam Warren on Sisu Presents in the Key of She, and this is episode four. Today's show a little bit differently this time. It's a track by Eric Shans and Jay Hill, which I happen to absolutely love. And it was this track that first brought Jay Hill, who's today's guest, onto my radar. And hold them together. Shans and I have been chatting about production for some time now and I've been following his work. He runs uh, the Three Bridge label out of Brooklyn in New York and he's been collaborating with Jay for several years now. And as we'll hear from Jay a little bit later on, it's these kinds of collaborations that have really helped her career. Jay started her DJ career about seven years ago now, and she's had releases on Super Freak and Emerald City Music, which is pretty impressive considering she's only been producing for four of those years. So if I'm pronouncing this correctly, this is the Weiss's Licked remix of Happy Warrior by Eric Shans and Jay Hill on the Sofa Sessions compilation. And when I first heard this track, I needed to find out who Jay was. And I was absolutely delighted that she accepted Sisu's invitation to have a chat with me while I was in New York. So that's what we did. On a snowy Sunday afternoon, Jay came over from Philadelphia to meet with me in my Manhattan apartment, and we talked about all sorts of things. Her love of vinyl, how she learned to DJ backwards, how you don't need to be in a hurry to release your tracks, and why it's important not to carry a large flight case of vinyl through UK customs. in the key of she we're interested in hearing from female producers on how they've made their successes all their stories their top tips and their advice for producers of the future so this episode is no different we'll also be hearing four of jay's tracks and at the end of the program we're going to be having an exclusive guest mix from jay to round things off so let's get on with the interview and hear from the lady herself Welcome 
welcome Jay Hill. Really excited to have you on Sisu Presents in the Key of She. And this is super exciting for me because I'm interviewing you in an apartment in Manhattan. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Sam. Very happy to be here. So, <laughs> And this yeah, is your, so, uh, this is your old hometown? Yes, my old home. I lived in New York for four years. I've been in Philly now for three years. And... Um, which is uh, only a two-hour drive away, but um, yeah, so okay, <laughs> it's but nice you're to not be from, back here. Not from New York originally. I'm not from New York originally. I'm from mm -hmm. California, I'm between um, a coastal town between LA and San Diego. Uh -huh. So, and, but then lived in San Francisco for many years, then moved back to LA, and then New York. So, and now here I am. So. <laughs> okay, so what was it brought you to New York? Was that music related? So, yeah, I was actually kind of, uh, I was in L.A. at the time. I was in a sour relationship and really needed to get away. I was kind of um, involved with a guy that was heavily into drugs and stuff and was kind of going down um, mm -hmm. a really bad path in my life. But I had just started learning to DJ at, mm -hmm. a, um, at a club that, or a bar restaurant that I was working at in Hollywood. And so I kind of hit like a, a threshold where I was just, I was done with LA and I, I noticed that um, over, you know, course of many years being with this guy that he was into electronic music, but the scene in LA was very difficult uh -huh. for this kind of music, for underground music specifically. So I just felt that my, my opportunities were kind of limited there mm -hmm. at the time. And yep, all of those things at once just decided that I wanted to try living in New York. Um, my family had moved to the East Coast at that time, mm -hmm. a little bit before. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to do New York, I, you know, <laughs> the only way that it will really work is if I do have some support and family because mm -hmm. it's pretty insane to <laughs> okay, so is there a, be on your there's, own. Yeah. There's a really good underground scene here in, in New York yes. City, is there? Yes, yeah. yes. Uh -huh. As a matter of fact, um, I very shortly after I moved, I um, met a guy named Ro Roger Lee, and he used to own a club that was right around the corner from here in the Lower East Side. Mm -hmm. And as it turns out, he is a was a producer for CBS tele Television here in New York, and then just owned this club. And he was like, "Hey, I I need some DJs. Do you do you want to have a go at it?" And I was like. Yeah, of course <laughs> I do. Awesome. And so yeah, how we're was connected. That, that was um, four years, four, well, now it would be like seven years seven ago. Seven years ago. So, so yeah. that you've really only been DJing and producing for seven years. Yeah. Wow. I yeah, thought you so. were, you've been so prolific. I thought you were more established <laughs> yeah. than that because you, you know, you, you have a, a big catalog of releases. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, the thing is that when, it kind of just goes to show that New York is a place of opportunities and things move very quickly here. And you mm. can kind of, I think, in music, you can really direct the pace of your career as fast or as slow as you mm. want to go if you really kind of set your mind to it. But it took a little while to figure out that I actually, you know, that I really wanted to go from DJing to producing and then to go back to school and get, you know, a degree in audio engineering and go that route. Yeah. So, so that's, kind that's of, what you've done. You've got a degree in, in audio engineering mm -hmm, as well. Mm -hmm. Wow. You've yeah. been really busy, really busy. <laughs> yes. 
I can't believe it. Yeah, now that I'm talking about it, it's all happened pretty quickly, but... (laughs) So how did you teach yourself? How did you learn to DJ? Um, You said you were playing around and Mm -hmm. learning to DJ and playing in a bar, and then you got your break here. So, you know, how did you learn? So the the promoter that um, was coming into the club, um, or the bar that I used to work at, called The Falcon, it was like the restaurant, and it, it was like a time where the economy was really bad and so everything was just it was super slow and he said hey he was it was like really cool how he was playing with with records in Serato and stuff and I I just had an intrigue with it and at the same time I still I had that business my, co- my co- copyright writing business yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and and I really wanted to just to learn the art of DJing and to kind of get closer to this this music for my my clients so that I can understand what okay, they so the copywriting was, was for bios and and stuff for musicians was yeah, it? Oh, right. yeah okay for for DJs and music producers um, I wrote some press releases some promotional kind of stuff or more like you know sales notes and stuff mm. like that for the mm-hmm. for the releases but for the most part it was bios I was doing it for fun um, and DJing. I was offering, yeah, yeah, and and then also the the copywriting business too. Oh, it was okay. more. I mean, I was kind of, I was charging maybe seventy five hundred bucks. <laughs> okay, but that ended up being very fortuitous because I ended up doing work for some booking agencies. I ended up kind of connecting with through some of the the um, artists that I just offered to write their bio because I liked their music. Mm. And offered some of them to write them for free so I can kind of get, you know, started. And then they and and their booking agents liked my work and then they, you know, gave me some more work. Well, fast forward many years later, I ended up when I started DJing and then myself and then I'm here in New York and started organizing parties, booked those DJs that were my clients. Ah, so, so you, and that you're kind promoting, of has, you were organizing parties here as well. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. That's kind of how I think that I sort of catapulted into a new, catapulted myself mm-hmm. into a new category because then I was playing with, with really big DJs, but uh-huh. I had met them through my writing business. So it was just kind of a right. interesting route. Okay, yeah, so all to do with the networks all, and... All the dots connected. But it <laughs> so. doesn't sound like this was... Was it your intention? Were you quite strategic about it? Or did just things just happen? It just happened. Yeah, I really... I, I actually had... When I started the business and then I started to learn DJing, I was like, I'm just le- learning for my clients. Right. I am not not going to be a DJ. I'm not <laughs> going to do this, and it just happened. So, um, yeah. Yes. So. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And and now here you are. And now yeah. here I am. And here you are with releases on. I was really impressed to see your releases on Super Freak. Oh, and thank you. okay. Oh. So, at what point did you decide to um, to take to suddenly take that DJing seriously and think, okay, yeah, I, I'm I'm. I'm good at this and, and I want to do more of it. How did you make that sh- that shift? I think, you know, it was kind of, it was a, it was a process because um, it was also a process that just kind of naturally unfolded. But I also, I, I learned because I had some gigs where, you know, things didn't go well. Um, I, the time I, I was DJing with, um, with a laptop and tractor and stuff and, and there were a lot of technical problems and things that were r- really frustrating. And but yet, 
I think that like, well, at that time that my, my mixing wasn't, wasn't great at all, but my track selection was good. And I think that, that people picked up on that. And Mm -hmm. then I had, you know, I just people that pushed me to, to really get on top of my mixing and, and then as I was, you know, getting more booked for more things and DJing with bigger and bigger DJs, you know, I just had to step my game up. Mm. And then... Was and that just through practicing? How did you... What do you say? You know, I just had to get get better at mixing. That's like the golden, <laughs> the golden uh, holy grail, isn't it? How do you get better at mixing? Just from practicing? Or? Well, yes, but then I I was so frustrated and I saw so many people and I I, I still see it that with, you know, laptops comes, you know, mm. a lot of challenges. And one of my, my biggest gigs at, at Output in New York, one of the the sound guys didn't know how to properly route. He was like a new sound engineer. He was doing his best, but he didn't know how to properly route the equipment that I had, right. which was a little bit different. And it was... Um, and so after that, you know, frustrating, really frustrating process, I was like, I'm, I want to DJ on, I just want to do CDJs. It just seems so much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then after that vinyl. So it was kind of like, you know, I sort of had, had a taste of that with Serato. I wish I, I kind of wish that I stuck with that now because you know, playing on vinyl is really, really, really hard, and that takes a lot of a lot of dedication and a lot of a ton of practice. But getting the feel of working with vinyl and the records, I think, if I had sort of just stayed on that path with Serato and not gone to Tractor, <laughs> it might have been a little bit, you know, easier yeah, than to, to just completely switch to vinyl. Because that's but, quite an interesting, it's almost like a backwards process, mm-hmm. isn't it? Start with the yeah. latest technology, move to the one before, and then go back to the original. Yeah. I that fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so at least, you know, I think it's it's all worthwhile. It, mm. you know, I... I say now that I I never had a bad gig because it's you're 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 learning through everything no matter if you're you know DJing to an empty room um you're playing I'm I'm playing tracks that I've probably I'm test driving them to see how they my own tracks yeah, yeah to sound in a big sound system things I might change um or it, if I get a response from three people in the room, that's, you know, or they're sitting down on the couches, then I, I'm learning from that. So I think, I mean, every single gig has been a learning mm. process from, you know, from self-discovery from the from day one. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that sounds uh, like a good point to start talking about how you got into production then, because that's a yeah. whole different game, isn't mm-hmm. it? So why did you feel the need to move from playing other people's music to making your own music? Yeah, I, you know, I, I hit a point where I, I felt like here in New York that with DJing that, um, that, you know, I, I was only going to be able to really get so far and that, that boyfriend that I had that was an ambient music producer, I kind of, you know, after, because I lived with him in his studio, the person that he was, he was kind of like an instructor that would, um, even as he was making his own music, I was kind of picking up on things that he was, you know, he was mm-hmm. doing in it. So I think it was kind of in the back of my mind that I wanted to kind of have a go at that as well. But then it coupled with, you know, feeling like, um, I just had hit a max here in, in New York as far as my DJ pay and everything. And, and there's so many DJs here and, 
it's kind of, you know, I, I knew at least even with electronic music that it just was only going to, I was only get, going to be able to go so far and I definitely wouldn't be able to, you know, play internationally without having um, productions because the productions are what people, you know, start to, to hear around the world is they mm -hmm. hear they'll most likely hear your music on Beatport or iTunes or whatever, or Spotify, um, but they're not going to hear a DJ mix of yours up because, mm -hmm. you know, unless they, they're looking for you or they're already following you. And that makes a lot of sense to me. I would um, have my mentors and stuff that were, were producers and, um, and they were releasing on labels and then those labels then help you get your name out and then that stuff then helps you to get gigs. Mm -hmm. I knew uh, I knew some instructors, but I I was like, you know what? I just I I just I'm gonna go for this. I just want to like go through a whole program, an audio engineering program, and just learn as much about this as possible. So, what yeah. advice would you have for um, for people guess getting into production, particularly women? You know, if you think that there's a difference yeah, because there. So and... yeah, I I think the only difference with female producers is that there's just few of us yeah and there's and you know it, I think it's like probably maybe girls that are um starting out or they're they're um even they're just music fans or whatever they don't think oh I could do this someday you yeah. know and so the thing is is like anybody can learn to do this mm. it takes it you have to develop the skill you know, you definitely talent comes into it, which um, you kind of you don't even realize until you actually know how to do it and what you're doing, and then the stylistic things you know come along. Mm -hmm. But you develop a talent, right. <laughs> you can, yeah, you know, and and it's not it's not just like I mean, yeah, there's kind of the I think the difference is between you know people that that maybe learn to play guitar or whatever and then they mm. be, they become a <laughs> yeah a big you know they become prince or something a big <laughs> you you know it's but you don't know until you learn so the skill. just get stuck in that yeah. would be your advice yeah, yeah. try yeah like, try, just try it, it. try okay. it why do you, would then, you think why do you think there are so few i mean i'm saying this advisedly because doing yeah. this project and making these shows i'm meeting i'm finding that there are loads of female producers but they're not there in the same visible they're not as visible, visible as the guys yeah. so you know do you have any thoughts on why that might be i think i mean i i do think that a a big part of it is really getting connected and getting, having, finding the people or them finding you that really believe in you and those people that have connections mm. because um, it's, you know, I, I think a lot of it is, it's actually fate a bit because it's kind of like, I feel like all of those dots that have connected in, in, in my life have kind of, um, not just, I think with, with music, but even with with other things, I can see how stepping back, how those mm. things, um, how it kind of one relationship changed everything. But mm -hmm. the thing is, you just have to take a risk. Yeah. And if you don't, you know, you have to, um, and you definitely the the biggest thing too is that once you get going with it, you have to not be afraid to ask people send send your track directly to um to somebody and say hey can you give me feedback on this you mm. know 
And I actually find that the production side of this business, of this industry, is so much more helpful and um, and uh, not as competitive as the DJ side That's of things. That's interesting. Just yeah. so, it's like, I, I felt like, you know, that actually then changed my relationships with people. In a weird, when you were asking in a weird for help. Way. When I was as, asking. Yeah, or asking for feedback. Yeah, when I was asking for feedback, and I knew that, that like, maybe, you know, people were going to, like, the difference is in that asking somebody for a gig yeah. <laughs> and asking somebody for feedback is totally different. Those people that, you know, you asked for a gig or something, they wouldn't respond to you. But you ask them for feedback, they're like, oh, no problem. And then they send you an email full of, wow. you know, feedback. Yeah. So then, yeah, that really yeah. changed. So are there, are there any particular people who, I mean, you may not be the name names, but um, uh, who've been really inspirational or really helped you on your journey, um, male or female? Yeah. I mean, I have, um, I think that, you know, some of the the relationships that I've built, I mean, obviously our chance was, was extremely helpful. Um, and then, um, when I, I did actually my first big release on iRecords, um, that was also a fluke thing where I had, um, reached out to, um, to Jay Tripwire, um, Mm -hmm. to ask him, I, another super freak, yeah, <laughs> a big super freak. Yeah, um, ask him if he would be willing to do a remix for me and a couple of Greek guys um, that had made a song, and um, and he wrote back immediately. He's like, sure. I thought I didn't think he was going to respond at all, mm. but then why do you think that? Do you think that's because they're just really keen that women are involved, or or that they're just generally helpful and, and just keen anybody? I think wants to be involved. Yeah, in I, I just found that um, the J just ended up being you know that was it was a unique situation. He just ended up being a really cool guy, mm-hmm. and maybe because my name is Jay as well. But that, <laughs> yeah, he was <laughs> he was unkind, but but and when he did that remix. It was so incredible. It's called Butterfly. It that just like getting that remix was like, oh my god.
So the first, you know, I just sent it to iRecords and they're like, yes, yeah, and they signed it. Okay. And then, so it's another one of those things that just like a random choice to, to reach out to somebody, to mm-hmm. ask them for something that ended up, and now, you know, he's he's somebody that, he does my a lot of my mastering, and so then as I've kind of developed the relationship, then if I send him something, um, you know, say, hey, what do you, what's your thoughts on this or whatever, um, he, he'll, would give feedback and it was, you know, little tidbits of, of, of knowledge that, you know, come from a, a legend Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, so, you just then, sort of pick, pick them up as you go along and pick them up away. and has, yeah, mm, and mm. I've, I've had like, I, um, developed a relationship with King Brit in Philly and he's another one that that has become a mentor and Mm. you know that I I could one of those people that I could reach out to and and you know it's it it's tricky to develop those Mm. relationships because they get have people so many people on that level they have so many people that are asking stuff yeah for them it's not something that 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 came right away but then over time Mm. Um, that you know, he now he's the person yeah. that I could, <laughs> yeah. I could ask for that do kind of that thing. Do you think that this is what we should be looking for? Is for the guys to mentor the women into the into this into the industry because we have a lot of um, certainly in the UK we have and also in Europe and Berlin and where have you. There's a lot of um, collectives of women offering mentoring and support to other women, but there's a also a, a, an exclusiveness around that that some yeah. people are saying is not necessarily helpful. Yeah, and th- that's the thing is that I think you kind of have to you really have to get away from the gender part of this yeah. because you just you know I I did end up. Um, making um, uh, very close friends with Nadia Lind through booking her and then she became a mentor as well Um, but um, I didn't particularly seek out I think I never you know maybe I was um, a little bit um, hesitant to to reach out to other female big female producers um, kind of in fear that, that they wouldn't be as amenable to helping. Oh, that's um, interesting. But I guess it just never crossed my mind, um, you know, so because I, I don't, I really don't think of it as, you know, in a gender-ish way, but just like with that experience with, with Tripwire is like, I just really liked his music. Sure. And I thought he would do a killer remix, and he did, you know, so mm. that that's kind of so I think you just kind of have to approach it from that standpoint I think you do limit yourself when you're like oh I can only connect Mm. with other females or you kind of get a Mm. um, a resistance to working with men because this Mm. let's face it this industry is 
92%. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are. Yeah, nobody really does, but certainly what we see is... is, um, Yeah, guys out there. Yeah, and Mm. it's just being open to. Well, you know, okay, this is evolving, but in order for, you know, females need to look at it as okay. In order for me to evolve my career so that more female DJs get there, I need to, you know, just kind of let the pride and ego stuff down and just figure out, you know, Mm. the the best way to learn and to go about things without the gender stuff coming into play at all. yeah, and I kind of, I mean, I don't, um, um, that I, I did have opportunities along the way to, to go with some female DJ collectives and stuff, but then um, I just saw that there, there were limitations there, mm. and so it was just a matter of spreading myself. And I'm still, I, my next gig in, in Philly is with a bunch of, of awesome, you know, sort of hard techno um, DJs and stuff, and I think it's going to be so much fun. But I just didn't want to be like, oh, I'm only so going th- to. So that was uh, so that's that's women DJs, is mm-hmm. it in Philly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah. it's not going to be a kind of playing in a an all female. So you're happy to play in, in an all female female lineup? Oh yeah. Because yeah. some people, some people I've spoken to are, are, are not. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I just it I haven't done a lot of them, so I'm like, uh, you know, I. I love connecting with other, and I want to support other female mm. producers, mm. especially in Philly because there are few of us um, in DJ. So it's it's more of an opportunity for me just to connect with other yeah. um, with other girls. But, so but I just see it as a, a kind of support thing and just yeah. And they're they they've done tons of events that are are mixed. So it's not just they're mm-hmm. it's not just a, this is a one one time thing. Mm. And, you know, actually a lot of um, clubs, I think here in New York and other places, they kind of, they really kind of diss these female collectives because they just don't want the, the, the separation. And Mm. that kind of is what vibes with me personally is that I don't, I don't believe in competition in music and Mm. I don't believe in, in, in things in life that cause us to be against one another Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my spiritual practice <laughs> yeah. in a way. And so I, if, you know, any sort of organization that kind of separates themselves from others, that doesn't yeah. really, yeah. I mean, there's but, there's all sorts of functions and benefits of collectives and yeah. connecting and yeah. bringing people together and, um, you know, and sometimes it's hard when you, you said the importance of connections and getting to know people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe it's like using those things as a, um, as a place to start Yeah, just to meet some people. But then, then, you know, once you start playing, you know, gigs and stuff, kind of, you know, just be open to uh, things that come your way, because mm. if you do develop a talent and your your career is evolving and growing, just because it's not don't dis opportunities. Yeah, sure. Uh, but but still, don't feel like you have to say yes to everything too. Mm. You know, because mm. that that can happen, and you get pulled mm. in diff- a lot of different directions. Do you ever feel that you you've been booked because you're female? Occasionally, yeah. Yeah. Occasionally, you get that and 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 those. Um, those gigs have, um, they, a lot of them happened here in New York and they turned out to be what I would, you know, call learning experiences. <laughs> so this is the no bad gigs, but only learning experiences. Because then, then, yeah. then that was then used against me 
as like, wow. oh, well, we thought by booking you, because at the time, you know, we thought you were the sexy, cute DJ that boys would come out to see. Um, we didn't have as many people as we thought, and therefore we can't pay you. Right. Oh. So it really became a, okay. a very, so you really need to, that's actually where a booking agent will kind of, I think now they're they're keen to this kind of stuff. Um, I call it the bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and they'll kind of fil- fil- try and filter out some of the um, that happened with um, a gig that I was uh, in Turkey that I was offered, and my UK booking agent, who's wonderful, um, was like, "Hey, I think actually this guy just kind of wants to flirt with you instead of really. Yeah. I don't think he's interested in your music." at all I think he probably hasn't even listened to you Mm. but he's using either going to use you you know to (laughs) to pull a crowd out or he's going to try yeah so it's you know that's it doesn't happen very often these days but occasionally Mm. you Mm. know so well that's good to hear that it doesn't happen happen very often yeah I mean that's probably a good point to to pause and and go to some music um to (laughs) ask you on the show we always ask our guests to nominate three of their tracks that they are most proud of or favorite for whatever reason so um so I'll, I'll start with this one that's called life is a beautiful day um it's unreleased it hasn't been signed yet and the reason for that is that I am um, one of the big biggest things that I've learned through this whole process is that you don't have to be anxious about getting your music out and um, this one was finished about a year and a half ago okay and part of I, I say that producing music is like making a movie because by the time you start it and then you um, you get a label to, that signs it, you go through the whole process and then get remixes and whatnot. It could be two years or something. It could even be, mm-hmm. but, but this one is, um, it's, it's a very special track. Um, it's one of those that just ended up, um, really like flowing together so well and nicely that, <laughs> yeah. That it's it's almost I feel when I listen to it I feel like I don't feel like I wrote it like it's wow you know? <laughs> yeah I know what you mean though it's like yeah you're really, it sounds like you're really proud of it yeah yeah I am and so I feel like it's something that it's it's kind of a more emotional track in the sense that it kind of has a dub techno ish vibe so it's in it, it with the vocals and stuff and with the chords it's a little bit serious but it's it's also kind of an enlightening uh, or a light feeling kind of okay. housey track as well mm-hmm. so it kind of has like a specific place but um, I really like to see this one on a, a vinyl only label uh-huh. so I'm kind of kind of holding out for it okay. but yeah so let's let's give that one a listen <laughs>
a piece of hardware with your name on it. It's right. like when I got the vinyl in the mail, I was in tears because, because there's so many, you know, you can, it, it's easy to release. And now it's easy to release, to self-release music. Mm. You can put it out for free. You can, um, you can get, you know, these self-promoting tools, like hi, you can pay for it, you know, like hype edit or whatever, where they'll do a, a promo thing. You can put it out on Bandcamp. Mm. You can, or you can release it through small labels or whatever and just, you know, but a digital release kind of, it is special. It's very special, but it's just even more, more special to have, you know, a vine, a piece of, a tangible thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that that only came from, you know, learning to DJ vinyl as well and then Mm. buying and get really getting, becoming a a vinyl geek Mm. and, (laughs) Um, because the sound quality is so good and it's just, it, it's, 
it's really, you know, I don't know. I, I think it, there's it nothing. It speaks to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's just something for me. Mm. But then again, am I, you know, DJing and doing full vinyl sets and carrying um, a big road case around and then, you know, risking and you know, dealing with customs in and out of different countries and stuff. No, I'm not doing that right now. Okay, so you're yeah. still when you're playing internationally, you're yeah. a digital DJ. Yeah. And yeah. It, and that's using the CDJs. Yeah. You're, you're done with controllers. Yeah, yeah. done <laughs> done with controllers and, and laptops and stuff. Yeah. And it's just CDJs. But if I mean, you know, it's it's it kind of then gets into the when you're getting DJ pay and stuff like that, you can if you're, you know, Going, especially in the UK, actually, if you from the US, if you're showing up with a road case, they, they, they know what vinyl DJs mean in, in England, and that, okay, so you mean <laughs> that you're going to be ma- that you know you're you're pretty legit. You're going to be making money, right? So you okay, have so a work permit. Ah, <laughs> yeah. uh, I see. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. So I'm thinking they. I just understood that as the promoters, but you mean customs. Yes. <laughs> okay. And then basically, so, yeah, because yeah. of course, you know, you have to have the right visa to go. Yeah. And so to, you could basically go. Making, yeah. 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 Okay. We probably yeah. need to not talk about. Yeah. This. <laughs> public radio yeah so uh swiftly moving on there and changing the subject i returned the conversation to jay's education in production and what she did after she did her audio engineering degree i had actually had an opportunity i was booked in london at carnival um and at that gig i met um a, a guy wade bennett from portsmouth yeah this is a connection because i'm also from portsmouth in the uk and then maybe like a year or so later after that gig i just had connected with wade and we just became friends and um and he would send me music and stuff and he's like i am actually an instructor and he teaches or he was teaching at a school in portsmouth mm. and he said hey if you want to do skype lessons sometime you know, you, you can pay me, you know, low amount. You know? Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't talking, I think he's, he's probably charging more now because he's awesome. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I won't say, but, um, but um, we'll, we'll do Skype lessons and I'll show you, you know, I, I'll teach you some stuff that you want to learn how to do. And I was just like, when it started from there and he is an incredible DJ and producer and uses all kinds of different gear and he's mm-hmm. a live DJ as well. So mm-hmm. I was like, this is the guy that is going to like literally be the best. You know, now I wish that like <laughs> it would be awesome to have him in my studio or vice versa. And then from there, like he really, as I was started, you know, out with something, he would tell me like how I could really evolve it and just mm-hmm. really perfect it and make it so much better. Um, I had a foundation. I was, you know, making mm-hmm. tracks, but then they were, they just, you know, could they needed to like grow and evolve and become more like songs than loops. And so he really helped me with with that so that um, Mm. to really think of them as songs and not just, you know, not just what's the difference between that? You know, that that's a really interesting distinction. (laughs) I've not heard anyone express it like that before, but it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it's kind of what what's the difference between, like, say, the loop, you know, the loop based kind of club track and a song for you? So that the song is structured very much like like you would with songwriting. You have mm. you have a verse, a chorus, bridge, verse, or you know, yeah, any of those. So it's and about the arrangement. It's about the arrangement, mm. and it's about um, it's about changing 
changing it up so that it's, you know, it, it goes from being a 32 bar loop to, um, to having a whole, you know, different dimension vocals coming in or bass lines coming in acid instruments, weird percussions, like, you know, things that are chord progressions or dub mm. chords or whatever. I mean, you, the, the possibilities are infinite mm. <laughs> of where you can go. Um, but it's, it's really making, you, you can even, you know, change key or change, um, BPM throughout just to make it interesting and make it, you know, a, more of a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, let's think about your, the second of your spotlight tracks that you've oh, chosen okay. for us. Tell uh-huh. us about that one. So the, the second one is called Little Dirty Girl. And that was kind of, uh, there, there's a lot of significance in that one um, because that's the one that got signed by Super Freak Records. And I also was able to work with a vocalist by the name of Harry Collier who has uh, released with Faithless wow. and performed at Glastonbury with Faithless. And so when I um, was, I had sent the track to my manager um, and, you know, originally I actually wasn't going to have vocals in the track, but the idea of it was that I really wanted it to be an acid, um, acid kind of a track. And... But this is one of those tracks that I really wanted. I had the title before I had the, the music. Mm-hmm. And the backstory of the concept is that um, when I was younger, I was um, in a religious school mm-hmm. in uh, junior high. So I don't know how old I was, maybe like 12 or something. And this is in in um, LA or in, in the outskirts in Orange County. And it was... Um, um, so I had a, uh, little boyfriend <laughs> and, and he was Creole and I was, um, he and I were caught kissing in the back of, um, of the gym, of the, of the school gym and we were expelled. She's a little dirty girl. She's a little dirty girl. She's a little dirty girl. 
looking back, he, he was actually, he was three quarters African-American and mm -hmm. then um, in French Creole and it was a pretty, very white school. Right. And I think that that was actually part of it is that the school really wanted to break us up. in Denver and Colorado, one of my best friends, Kimmy, Kimberly St. John, uh, who's a great DJ, and she became friends in Denver with Peter Wachowski, who is A&R of Super Freak Records, uh -huh. and they were DJing together an event, and he was using Tractor or something, and Kimmy sent a, um, a, a group message and, and said, hey, my friend Jay in Philly knows... How to, how to use tractor, she might be able to give you some tips for tractor. And so I said, oh yeah, you know, here, um, watch these tutorials and do this and this and that. And then and then I realized that Peter was was A&R for Super Freak. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I've just told him how to look on a YouTube tutorial. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly, exactly what happened. I, I, but then I wrote back, was like, oh my gosh, I just realized, you know, I've, I've been a huge fan of Mr. C forever and blah, blah, blah. And I stuck, really stuck my foot in my mouth, but he was really sweet about it. And then I sent, I, you know, I didn't know him very well at the time, but I just said, hey, actually I actually have a couple demos. Um, I'd like to normally actually, with the process is my manager sends out mm. to, we discuss labels in advance and then he sends them out to his connections and people that he knows. Um, but you know, then at times I really stuff on the, the, the relationships that I make. And this was one of those times. Okay. Yeah. And then a month, maybe, maybe it was a little bit later than that. Maybe it was like six weeks later. Yeah, maybe it's two, mm -hmm. uh, even two months later, I was taking my niece bowling and I got the message and Peter's like, hey, uh, Dave, we're going to sign some of your tracks. Awesome. And, <laughs> and Little Dirty Girl is going to be the first one and then I have another one that's coming up. Um, and I was, I was shocked. Yeah, I was shocked. Actually, I was shocked that they chose this one. Now that that they released it, it makes perfect sense, mm. like how it fits on the label with acid yeah. style and stuff. Yeah. The other one, which is a drum and bass and techno fusion track called Mercurial, that I did a collab with um, a young guy um, named Arctur in Glasgow. And it is a really different track, but it's super cool. And now, obviously, it makes sense why Mr. C 
wanted to sign that one and he did just did a remix on that so that's the next one that's awesome. going to come out yeah and, so and when quite a story that? when's that going to come out <laughs> we i'm not sure yet we actually don't have a release date for it but everything's mastered and ready to go so mm-hmm. they'll so we have to wait to hear that one yeah <laughs> drama based techno it's really fusion cool awesome really cool track we'll look out for that it's one definitely super cool yeah and different okay. so how easy is it to make a living as a dj or a DJ and and then a producer. And producer. Yeah. Um, it's not easy. No. <laughs> that is the that's the the most dif- difficult thing. Um, but there there's a couple different sides to the coin. I think with that, and it's it is something that it just you know, my my manager says it's like stepping stones. You're always you know pretty much when you're on a path. You're you're always stepping a stone forward. You're really not, you know. The only thing that I could really do to to take steps backward at this point would be to like get heavily into drugs and alcohol and then yeah. <laughs> become not productive. But um, but it's you know you kind of as you get you you produce more, you get more releases, you get signed on bigger labels, then you kind of start to like. As, escalate up into upper categories mm-hmm. of, of DJ pay. And traditionally, um, DJs outside of the U.S. get paid better right. than, than, yeah. than we did here. It's a pretty, I was going to ask because I'm not yeah. really sure. I, I don't know very little about the U.S. scenes. Yeah, and it's I'm, it's not impossible at all. Um, but it's just you, you kind of, I think, especially in a, a town where you're known, you cap out at a certain level and then you can't like tell mm. you tell your friends all of a sudden oh now my my dj fee is 500 yeah so what <laughs> when, they, when i average? used to dj for you in your house for for free you know it, yeah. just, it doesn't work like that so but what's the but what's the kind of average for underground parties here um i think it's around 300 it's, it's about the same three, as you pay them yeah two, 300 three to, pounds if you're lucky th- yeah if you're lucky um, if you actually get paid yeah <laughs> if you're and if you're a local that is Mm -hmm. now um the other side of the coin is if you start you as you start to grow and develop if you get signed by a booking agent and then that booking agent is mandating another fee for you and taking a deposit and all that stuff then you kind of you know but you need to have bigger labels you Mm. know under your name to kind of warrant to get that exposure and that's where the production supports the getting of gigs because it's improving improving or you know making you a bigger brand i guess yeah or a bigger artist yeah mm-hmm. so um yeah mm. so <laughs> yeah that's kind of the way that it works i think so have you been able to support yourself on the the process of your, <laughs> your dj at times at times but it's been my my day job that has kind of floated me i have been a contractor until a couple of days ago so okay. i just got a full-time job offer at my day job which is which is awesome i have found like the right, you know, I've kind of experimented and it's been, you know, contracting sort of allowed me to make quite a bit of money in pharma <laughs> and then, and, and also kind of give me a break and something that was really grounding me. Yeah. Cause um, it must to be hard up. to, to keep your, cause so you're, you're no longer working for Sony, you're yeah. working in, in other industries, but yeah. it's kind of, it must be hard to have the energy when you get home yeah. from a full day at work because you're working full time. To how do you still have the energy to make the music and then go out and 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 get booked at weekends <laughs> and stay up really late? And you look amazing. Oh, thank you. 
Well, I, my, my focus is, is actually is, um, I've, I've gotten to a, into a rhythm and I'm the mm-hmm. kind of person that really thrives being very busy. Actually, the times where I've not been working in a day job, I've been a lot less productive because when I'm working in my day job, my, my time is very focused uh-huh. and I'm not doing, you know, music stuff during the, at my, you know, day job, even though where I'm at now is very like social media friendly. Um, I, I really try and keep it separate so that as soon as I leave there um, and in my commute time, I use that time to be lis- listening to my music mm-hmm. and also meditating and, and trying to, you know, kind of balance myself out in other ways. But I'm not partying a lot on the weekends and the gigs that I have are at least at latest I'm out is till three or four. Uh-huh. But I'm not staying up all hours. I'm not yeah. doing after hours. Is that it's something maybe one, to- once in a great while that I'm getting booked for, but, um, you know, my, I've found that like, I mean, it's my day job is not worth me, (laughs) you know, because it's sustaining me now and it's giving me money to, you know, pay for, for vocalists and, and, you know, Mm. when I need to, um, to kind of travel Mm. on my own and stuff like that. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because certainly when you're starting out, what I've heard from the people that I've have talked to DJs and producers is that you kind of have to go to other people's nights and you have to be seen in certain circles and you have to party with a promoter yeah. and you know and that usually means all sorts of you know sociable things staying up all night and yeah drinking too much or <laughs> you know whatever and, and that takes its toll yeah it does and I did that for a long time that's it was part of of the hustle that I did here in New York, uh-huh. and and when you when specifically when I was only a DJ, I had to do that hustle because I didn't have music to do that work for me. So your final track that you've chosen to share with us is tell us about that one is um this one's called i am here and it is a um it's a collaboration with a um a vocalist it's actually a um a slam poet from south africa called the lazarus man and what's really interesting about this track is that it's two different poetry pieces of, of of his i just was like you know kind of mesmerized geeking out on on his words and and it was it just i just found these particular poems just so sweet and it's talking about like breaking up and, and getting back together and and stuff and it's kind of this love story so, so that inspired but, the music did it rather yeah than the music and then trying to find a vocal to fit the music exactly but, yeah ah, interesting so, is that why you chose that one in to contrast with the others yeah 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 do you remember me We've done this before. This version of the track is the Richie Armoured remix, which is out now on the massive Emerald City Music, which is Jamie Jones and Lee Foss's imprint. Have we done this before?
a paranormal activity just waiting to happen on your screen. Here we are. Security. A conversation that started between two places. There it is. Something that we felt but never started it. Here we are. Paranormal activity just waiting to happen on your screen. found out that a really big label was going to sign it, mm-hmm. which I were ecstatic about. But the day that I got on the plane, found out that they decided not to. Oh, no. So I I was crushed and yeah. heartbroken. Absolutely. Like, I literally got on the plane in tears. I was, you know, telling my... <laughs> So, like asking my fr- friends, you know, because they know the the label, and I, I probably shouldn't say it, but okay. it was a big, <laughs> it was a big one, big big one. Uh-huh. Um, and 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 now looking back, you know, it's oh man, it's so different. So then when I I was in Manchester, then my manager wrote me and he said, hey, Jamie Jones and yeah, and Lee yeah. Foss are going to sign it on their um, on uh, their Emerald City label and. I don't get excited now until I see yeah. a contract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't. I I had to hold my tongue on that for like for several months. Wow. And then when we found out that the contract was actually signed, it was like, oh wow, this is That's, real. Yeah. And then and then they had um, 
I didn't actually know it at the time, but they they were going to have Richie Ahmed, um, who's also in the UK. I think he's in mm. Leeds. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty big to do a remix on it. And when the re- they sent the remix through, I was like, whoa, this is just kind of like, so it's really nice because it's, um, it's our, the original track is very, um, it's, you know, kind of a, a little bit Balearic deep house style. So it's, it's not a big peak time club track at all mm. um but the remixes but the remixes so you've yeah. got the best of both worlds yeah. then so yeah. yeah so it's kind of a you know it's a a story too of how like i really want people to you know that are producers that are it gets so disheartening sending it your your tracks out you deal with like not getting responses you deal with maybe you know labels saying that they're going to sign it and then you feel like they're not really, you know, getting behind it. So mm. who knows what the evolution of this song would be had it have been on that that label. It, yeah. it could have been great, but it definitely wouldn't, you know, I love this remix. It's huge. So it's, yeah. yeah. So how did you so. then get to that? So you, you're learning how to produce and you're learning all these tricks of the trade. So how did you then translate that into, you know, getting signed and, and releasing music and sending music off to labels? How did that come about? You know, as I as I was in in school, I had um, I had an opportunity for a collaboration project, and that was a, a learning experience, a <laughs> an intense learning experience, and kind of a little bit of a harsh one. I uh, made made some music with a guy here in New York. Unfortunately, what happened from that was that he decided to do a bunch of work on the music while I wasn't there, and they we had a you know a clash, uh, mm. a pretty harsh clash um, with that because there were things that I just I I didn't I didn't like at all that he mm-hmm. was doing, but he was kind of the main engineer for the track, and so um, then you know from there I had um, I was playing it for for some of my friends and DJs and stuff and they were like oh you should you should send this off to labels because you know but then um, we decided that it was not going to be a good idea to I I didn't want to release that kind of music with um, at the time and I I was kind of a jerk about it (laughs) in hindsight but I um, it was it was very very progressive right. in the sense that it was that's not wasn't where I was at mm. at the time because it was almost trancey. Yeah, I was gonna say because yeah. your music's quite tough and, <laughs> and punchy, and, yeah, but also really soulful. I think. Thank you. Well, it's uh, you know, I, I, I absolutely, I don't mean that to sound like I don't like progressive at all, but no, I just, not for you. yeah, yeah sure. but I just, I, at the time, I just wasn't into well, trance was, music. There was a big so bandwagon like, a few years back, yeah. wasn't there, on this kind of really mainstreaming, these really formulaic, so-called progressive house, because I mean, real, I sound, yeah. I sound like such a snob here, real <laughs> progressive, progressive house from a few years ago was amazing, you yeah, know, 20 years ago, but, but not now, you know, it's kind of, um, yeah. It, yeah. it at that time too it was it was extremely EDM it was very yeah. um it was very um uh candy raver style and I just yeah it just yeah. didn't vibe with it's, me it's so. been important for you to be associated with the underground is that yeah, yeah yeah and and so then you know from that I ended up meeting Eric Shans um, mm-hmm. through that experience and, and we should and, say give a big shout out to Eric because he's the, he's <laughs> the fantastic Eric fantastic yeah he's put, put us in touch yeah, yeah. So, um, and, uh, so how did it you was meet actually, Eric, actually, um, 
how did we we met through um, some other mutual friends uh, or in the in um, in the New York scene. Mm-hmm. Um, they um, trying to remember exactly. Yeah, but how, how probably, you, you've always probably but I just um, oh I know exactly how we met. We DJed at a a Christmas party. Here in Manhattan, um, we just kind of, you know, connected yeah. and then hit off as friends. And then after that, you know, I was I was really distraught about the collaboration project, mm. really distraught. And Eric became a friend. He was like, "Hey, you know, I actually work with a label and Is that uh, Three Bridge, mm-hmm. yeah." And he said, "You know, uh, you could actually talk to Greg Kachuko, the the label owner, and he might have some ideas about what you know what what you could do with the track." Now that you kind of this collaboration has has died, and you know, as it turned out, it was like, okay, I, I should just let that die and learn what I did from it. And then Eric and I started making music. Mm. So yeah, <laughs> we, Eric was like, oh, let's just say fuck it to, to this guy <laughs> and let's just make our own stuff. And so we did that. And then and how many tracks have you made with Eric now? Um, it's a few, oh, isn't it? A, yeah, four, maybe four or five. So it's obviously working. Yeah, and then we had had you know some remix projects and stuff like that, and we just yeah. stayed cool. you know friends and colleagues and stuff mm. over the years. Yeah, so yeah, I and then from there it kind of then it just you know when I we did the releases and then we did um, um, a release that my friend in um, Nadia Lind signed. Um, she's from Berlin, and her label is Lucid Flow, and I ended up booking her to DJ here in New York. That's how I met her, and so that she did a remix for me and Eric, and then that kind of, that remix blew up, uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, so that was kind of like the, really the emergence of it, and then from there, it's like, mm. once you're doing that, you're, you're going, so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's been such a fascinating conversation and it's Thank really you. interesting to get the perspective from across the pond here in the US as well and, and actually to hear how similar things are yeah. here than yeah. they are in Europe as well. It's, 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 um, it's quite, it's quite, I suppose we shouldn't be surprised because music is the same, especially the underground kind of techno house yeah. songs are the same. But um, So where can we hear you? Where can we hear your music? Where can we see you play? Um, so, well, you can hear um, music. Um, I have a couple of podcasts and such coming up. Um, and my next my next gig is in um, is in Philly on March um, 22nd. Um, and then I have another one with Eric Chans in Philly on the 29th. And um, and then after that, I actually, I don't really have anything. And so, oh, okay, but, so you're things, available for bookings all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, things have really been coming up last minute. So in the meantime, you we can uh, find you on SoundCloud, on SoundCloud. Mixcloud, or yep. just SoundCloud. Yep, SoundCloud and Mixcloud, and then um, all my stuff is on Spotify. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm doing a lot, a lot more playlists on Spotify now. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Beatport and uh, TrackSource and then um, Juno. Mm-hmm. So and we yeah. just find you as Jay Hill. Yep, 
and not the wrapper. <laughs> okay, so it's quite obvious when we get we get the picture. Yeah, so I don't have one? any hip hop music out. So. Okay, well, thanks again so much for driving up to see us here in New York, and uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if you can hear the, the horns honking in the background. It's very, very so New York, very New York. Yeah, so thanks ever so much for joining us Thank again. Thank you for having pleasure. me, Sam. It's been wonderful. now it's time to sit back mix yourself a cocktail and let jay hill take us on a lovely sunday evening journey through house tech house and through to the tougher end of her repertoire to show just what a versatile artist she is enjoy
us to the end of our two hours this Sunday. I hope you've enjoyed the show as much as I've enjoyed putting it together as always. You can listen back to earlier shows on our Mixcloud page if you go to Sisu Crew on Mixcloud and search for In the Key of She you'll find all the shows there and you can catch up on all the goings on and interesting events that Sisu are involved with by visiting our Facebook page. We'd also love to hear from you. So if there's any feedback on this show or you're a female DJ or producer or you want to learn how to be a DJ or producer, then please do get in touch with us by sending us a message through the Facebook platform and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. 
So until the next episode of In the Key of She, thanks for joining us. Take care and see you soon.